Welcome to Podcast with Cooper Cherry. I have Andrew Samper joining me. We will be continuing our best film series with my number four film, Amores Perros, by, uh, let's see, Alejandro Iñárritu. It is the first um, of his death trilogy, followed by 21 Grams and Babel. Um, I, I think the Amores Perros I've read tr- loosely, or it's like, it's an idiom that translates as love's a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I think that is a, uh, it's a great way to, to sum up this film. So Andrew, um, thanks for plotting through this. I know it was difficult watch for you with all the, the animal or the dog cruelty involved in this film. I definitely, I was, I can definitely relate. Um, I just, the first time I saw this film, it was like, I mean, it was like the car wreck that's in this film. It was just, I was watching this for, I was had to write like a book report or essentially style mm-hmm. for one of my Spanish courses in college. And uh, a friend of mine, whom I don't generally ever trust their movie recommendations. Right. <laughs> um, they, they brought this movie to my attention and said, you know, definitely do this. And so I watched it. I went in totally, I didn't know anything about this film whatsoever so i had zero expectations and it was just so yeah that car wreck is a great metaphor for how i felt after watching this film but Mm -hmm. obviously one that stuck with me so this was your first time ever encountering this film right yeah it was it was my very first time ever watching i'm you know very familiar with inyaritu's uh you know uh work and everything but i had never seen this one a lot of it had to do with the fact you know just knowing a little bit about what the movie was and the 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 sheer like violence um i have a major soft spot for for dogs in particular and um you know just hearing about like the how like the the treatment the on-screen treatment of of animals was enough to lure me away for the past 18 years i guess it's been you know since this movie came out but uh yeah so it was my first time let me let me be clear once again that this was also difficult, and I'm definitely don't get off on animal cruelty. Oh no 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 no! By I, any I, means, oh I, no! I'm just saying, not not for you, just for like the the audience or what have you. Since right. I'm not really gonna go into that much, but definitely. No, you heard it here first. Cooper Cherry <laughs> endorses uh, animal cruelty. Exactly, the the wanton yeah. killing of all animals. Yeah, you have you, your new sponsor, right? <laughs> but uh, I guess we will start out with the summary of this film for those who have not seen it and who are listening for the first time. So this film is centered centers around an incident, a car wreck. It's the intersection of three different lives that are all involved, that are all sort of touched by this particular car wreck. It's set in a very gritty version of Mexico City. We have, uh, it's sort of a, they call it a triptiche be very <laughs> what was that? Oh, so a triptiche okay. so basically that's the three stories all so we have three s- separate episodes essentially within this one film that are all sort of linked together three little vignettes by this central incident of the car wreck all involving dogs all involving love and loss and and things of that nature um so the first one is let's see it's octavio and Susanna's story so octavio is i don't know i guessing he's like a high school age kid yeah i got the impression that he was a i mean he came in with a backpack yeah yeah he's he's a young kid so he lives with his mother brother and 
I guess, sister-in-law. And so they have a dog named Coffee. And through, so Coffee escapes early on, I guess maybe the first scene following the car chase, he runs, he runs down the street and gets away from Susanna. And then he stumbles onto the, becomes the, comes across the cross or comes into the crosshairs of the dog fighting folks there and <laughs> and is attacked but it ends up killing this one of these dog fighters prized possessions and so he shows up at Octavio's home to confront him about that this ultimately leads to Octavio fighting Kofi on a regular basis and you know there's kind of an illegal gambling ring going and so he's making money and um, there's also a little, I guess, forbidden love story with him and his sister-in-law, Susanna. And that sort of progresses very awkwardly um, in the film. And so we, at the end, sort of, the plot, had, that sort of story has not been resolved yet. And the car crash happens. And then we flip to, it's Daniel and Valeria. And let's see. When we start, when we meet them, Daniel is sort of a wealthy guy, and Valeria is a, she's like a model, mm-hmm. and they are having sort of a an affair. Daniel's still married. With a couple daughters. With a couple, yeah, right. Little, young, young daughters. So he ends up divorcing his wife and moving in with Valeria, but unfortunately... She is struck by the car that Octavio is driving in this in this big inciting car wreck that t- kind of ties all these stories together. So she's injured really badly, some damage, some severe damage to her leg, and obviously she's a model, so she relies on her being able to walk and being able to do photo shoots. So she's very depressed about that. They have a dog named Rizzi. Richie, and he actually so he falls into a hole. He, Daniel has bought Valeria a an apartment, and there's a hole in the floor that she actually again was walking the first time they brought her to the new apartment. And there's a hole in the she st- causes a hole in the floor. She steps through. I guess it's a weak spot, and so at some point she's playing ball with Richie, and he falls. He goes after the ball into the floorboards, and sort of disappears. For, I don't know, it's kind of like an unpronounced amount of time. A few days, right? I mean... Yeah, it's it's difficult to judge what yeah. the timeline was there, but the relationship between Daniel and Valeria, eh, Valeria becomes strained over time, and I don't know, definitely f- things sort of fall apart very quickly, and that's sort of where we leave them at that point, right? And then our third story involves El Chivo, <laughs> which is he, my favorite part of the film, I think my favorite story, element of the story. And he is a, I don't know, what, sort of a bum sort of character that... Yeah, just kind of like a... Oh, well, not really even like... I mean, he has a home. So yeah, he's just a, um, a very... Yeah, a bum hitman. <laughs> right. You know? So he... It's funny too. So he, we've got the scene. He his We meet him and he goes on a hit and there's a gentleman eating at a restaurant and so he just comes up and shoots him through the window and then kind of runs off. <laughs> <laughs> but later he's 
hired by a brother to kill his I was it half brother or something? Yeah, like it was that? his half brother. And so he's kind of stalking him and in in the meantime he finds out that his wife has died. There he's estranged from his family. His wife has died. And so he actually shows up at the funeral and watches from afar and sort of gets, you know, told to F off by his uh, sister-in-law at some point. And so then at that point, he really becomes interested in being involved with his daughter's life again. And uh, so he ends up being a bystander during the wreck that Octavio is in and actually is kind of the one of the first people to respond and grabs the money that uh, some money that Octavio had on him at the time um, of the wreck from, that he had been winning from from the dog fighting and betting and such and he grabs that and then he sees coffee in the back seat who has been who's received a gunshot I guess I forgot that important part <laughs> there was a final dog fight and uh, the one of the other people got pissed off, and so that his dog was losing and shoots Kofi, and that was court- and so then Octavio stabs that guy, and then runs away, and that's the car chase scene that we're at. And so Chivo takes Octavio's money, he takes Kofi, and sort of nurses him back to health. Um, he's breaking into his estranged family's home and stealing photographs and things like that the plot with the two brothers that want to kill one another goes um so he ends up sort of (laughs) locking them both up in his basement and ends up leaving that he doesn't want to kill again and leaves them to sort of sort it out amongst themselves with a gun between them with a gun between them so very very cain and abel yep story there um I don't know. Those are the broad, broad strokes, right? I guess at the yeah. end he so then he kind of ends up walking off into the into the sunset with with Kofi, renamed uh, Negro. Yeah, yeah. So that's the I don't know. Those are the that's a broad overview yeah, I mean, of sort of the plot. Yeah, I mean that seems like the the summary that. Yeah, I mean you just have a, you know, just kind of uh, three story perspective in and how their how their lives are all kind of connected through this this traffic collision and or not traffic collision but this uh yeah it's just a stoplight um crash and and how all their lives all spiral one way or another and they're they're all also connected through dogs so yeah so this this movie had a budget of two million which i thought was pretty impressive for the time, especially this was came out in two thousand. I thought it was it was well spent. Like they did a great job. Put think, it, you know what I mean. It looked really, really good o- overall. There were a couple of parts that I thought looked kind of, I don't know, kind of low budget. But overall, I thought the look of the film was perfect. I think it had a fantastic look. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed, you know, especially with like you know, as far as the budget. I mean, you see the. I mean, there's a hardcore like class system at, at you know um, in the works here. I mean, you see some really gritty, shitty Mexico City, and then we, our very next story is in that that fancy little uh, apartment where uh, Richie gets lost in the floorboards, 
And so, you know, with the, the photographer and, you know, his model girlfriend and everything. And, and then obviously then, uh, El Chivo. Yeah. Um, you know, when then with his clients, you know, as he's following somebody, you know, he's in his, his shitty van and, you know, his little, uh, dingy bungalow. And then, you know, as he's driving, he, he's going to other, you know, nice, uh, parts of Mexico city. So yeah, I mean, you see the, the definite distinct haves versus have nots in this film. Now, had you seen any of Inarito's other other films before? I'm sure you had. You mentioned you were familiar with them, but w- which of the other films have you seen? Um, so yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen Birdman. Um, he did The Revenant as well, yes, correct? Yeah. yeah. So I've exactly. seen that. Uh, I saw the first half of Babel. Um, it wasn't because I got bored or anything, or it just uh, it was on like a one of those like Divix uh, discs and it, it, it was on two and I only, I only had one of them. I thought it was a whole thing. So I only got to see like the first half of that film and what else? Uh, I know he did 21 grams and I may have seen that. I may, I can't, I can't recall. I'd have to go back and kind of look at the plot, but I know that he's done 21 grams and I, I know who's in the film. I just can't, re- I'd have to look at the plot summary to figure out if, yeah, I, I actually have seen it. It's but, got a actually a very similar plot to be honest. Uh, Sean Penn, right? And Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts and Benicio. See, like when I think of that cast, I'm like, oh yeah, I've totally seen it, but I can't, I, I can't tell you anything about it. So I don't, yeah. So I'm going to, if I have seen it, I've forgotten what the movie is about. So I'm not going to count it. Um, but those are the movies that, that I think of right off, you know, off the top of my head. So I've, I've seen a few of his films. Yeah. So it's funny, I'd actually seen 21 Grams before, and at the time, you know, it was getting a lot of buzz at the time, which I think it was actually his second feature film, and I ended up watching it not knowing anything about Inuritu or this film, and, you know, I, I, I didn't quite get it at the time, but mm-hmm. this was probably like 2004, 2005, I don't think I was as sophisticated of a viewer as I am now. But I remember not liking it all that much. 21 grams? Yeah. Okay. But then I saw this and I was like, oh my God, this is this mm-hmm. is incredible. Yeah. It really grabbed me. It, obviously, it's in my top four. And I mean, it's certainly a really, really powerful film. Um, I might I might categorize this as uh, one of those really good movies I only see one time. <laughs> um, but Along with Requiem for a Dream. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and there obviously there's a, that Mount Rushmore of movies that I would, you know, I, I love, but only will watch it one time. But uh, this was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I'm very thankful that you made me watch it, even though uh, I, I think I was, you know, uh, yeah, uh, very distraught the entire time. But um, yeah, it, it was it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I I, I love the. Um, how the lives are all connected through this. I, I, I enjoyed the vignettes. Um, and yeah, I mean, there, 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 there's, there's so much going on, you know, and obviously we haven't gotten into the themes or anything just yet, but it's just a very beautifully crafted film. And, um, I mean, it's no wonder that he's gone on to do some really, really amazing projects since. And yeah, uh, two thumbs up. Nice. Um, so I, I want to start out with the acting in this film, which 
I guess the biggest acting news is we have the debut of Gael Garcia, which is funny too because I had actually my first the first film I saw with Gael Garcia was actually it was uh, Los Crimenes de Padre Amaru, which is a later film that he did um, right around the time right around this time I think, and so I was kind of familiar with him through that, and was actually surprised to see the connection. Because I did not have, you know, any background on this film when I watched it the first time. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. But I thought he was, you know, he was great. He was solid. Obviously, a career, this, you know, made his career ultimately, I think. Yeah. The, uh, but El Chivo, I think, really, and that was Emilio Echevarria. He was fantastic. I thought his like the you. It was funny, like the humor. There's so many such range of emotion mm-hmm. from the humor, um, the sadness over his his wife and family, and obviously whenever his dogs, all of his dog, his dog posse, gets wrecked by by <laughs> by Kofi. Oh man! Yeah, after he had spent that time like nursing Kofi back to health, and only for Kofi to kill his entire dog posse yeah that was rough that was yeah. probably that was probably the scene that just get, gets you right in the feels yeah every time yeah uh, i did like a mauricio he was <laughs> i loved his mullet his mullet was on oh, point okay that took me a second so yeah 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 it took me a second to figure out who uh, mauricio was yeah there was a moment where it, i don't know he this is going to be questionable but he he scratches his balls <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know just a very authentic it was very authentic it's really a really sound acting choice <laughs> you know i think i think my character would scratch his sack right about now <laughs> and the most just like uh not even no it's just like out in the open you know mm-hmm. no <laughs> you know no lack of pretense there no or the reverse of that i guess yeah 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 and then um Haracho, Haracho was the blonde guy that was. He first showed. He's the one that. Oh, the Kofi the Dick. The, yes, the that, yes. Okay. Yeah, the dude that shoots uh, Kofi. Yeah, shoots Kofi later. So he was really solid. I thought as well. A great antagonist. And I'm thinking too. It was implied that he was on cocaine because it was like when he's having that conversation when he's like confronting Octavio. He's kind of doing this twitchy shit mm-hmm. all, all the time but i thought his look and demeanor and everything was like perfect gritty you know um the seedy underworld of mexico city you can like he felt very authentic mm-hmm. in his role those are kind of the acting things that stood out again with this being in subtitles and me not being a fluent spanish speaker i think a little bit of the performance and nuance gets missed and lost in translate translation similar to you know the vanishing, mm-hmm. but I mean, what did come through, I thought was incredible. Yeah. No, but those I, are kind of the standout, at least performers. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think the performances were, were great. Um, you know, Gael, obviously, uh, my first, I saw the, the next big movie, I guess he was known uh, for E2 Mama Tambien, but you know, Great. And obviously, I, yeah, I don't really speak uh, fluent Spanish. I took four years of Spanish and I really, yeah, I'm useless 
but I thought everybody did. Everybody was sound. I, I, my my favorite character though was the was the model and the like the fifty foot billboard. I knew was going to be a major <laughs> um, a reminder and just the just how her entire life you know just spirals as a, as a result of being at the wrong place at the wrong time and so I really you know and then obviously you know her losing Richie and added to the fact of you know just having a completely mangled leg and then well not having any leg um yeah so I really I really felt uh felt her arc um and but yeah I mean across the board I think there were some really really shit uh even what was it Ramiro Ramiro right yeah Uh, the brother um great I mean you know I mean what a piece of shit that guy was. Uh, <laughs> right. But I mean, at the end, I mean, they're they're all none of these people are really good human beings at all. You know, I mean, they're they're all guilty of something. Um, but so I mean, the, the you know, in the weight of what their their story arcs, I mean, there was some serious gravity, and I think each actor really um, did a fantastic job. Uh, Valeria, she that scene whenever she is just lambasting <laughs> Daniel oh, when oh. she like calls his wife a bitch and says that his daughters, daughters. were stupid. I yeah. was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <God>. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Even in the translation, that one hurt. Yeah. You know yeah. <laughs> Which is funny too. I've actually, I've read this and I've been told this, that the translations in this film are really shitty. Really? Yeah. Like the subtitles are not, the, it's not the best translation. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely, there's stuff that's getting lost for right. sure. Subtlety mm-hmm. and nuance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could even hear a few times where, you know, again, I don't know if it was like an idiomatic sort of thing or whether it was a, just a poor translation. Right. But I definitely heard a few things where I was like, eh, is that, eh, that doesn't really quite capture what they're getting at here. Mm-hmm. But as far as acting goes, any any other standout moments or or comments? Because um, I don't have a I, that was kind of my least. Um, I mean, I my think least there, amount of notes on. I the think acting. there were some like really neat acting choices that uh, that you'd see. You know, some of the actor. I mean, everything. I mean, at the core, nothing that uh, what is it, Gael, um says is really profound, right? Or inter- you know, but. He's got those eyes, and I mean, he and he knows how to act with them. You know, I mean, whereas some people use their eyes and they overact. There, there's just this. There's just something about. I mean, he, he's able to con- convey emotions really, really well uh, with his eyes, and especially you know when. I mean, this movie is you know going on twenty years, so you know take about twenty years off his life. I mean, he was really young, and uh, even as a late teenager or early twenties, however old he was when he filmed this, I mean crushed it just knocked it out of the park really really fantastic that scene at the end i think whenever he is so he had made plans with Susanna to or he sort of gave her an ultimatum you know i'm gonna leave on the on this bus to juarez and he goes and he says he'll be there and she's kind of like no i'm not going to but he still has this sort of (laughs) delusion that she will and is just crushed i think Whenever she actually doesn't show and mm-hmm. doesn't want anything to do with him, and he kind of 
So he's in crutches and sort of slinks away. That was great. And the sadness on his face. Mm -hmm. And I think at his brother Ramiro's funeral as well. Now that you mention it, that those are two scenes I think that really, or that's kind of one scene basically, that really stand out for me. When he's kind of bald, you know, he's got yeah, his shaved no, head. Yeah, just... the, um, I mean, <laughs> um, again, great performance, but what a stupid carrier, uh, character Octavio, uh, Octavio was. <laughs> right. Um, just some really shitty timing with everything, you know. Um, hitting on his uh, his sister-in-law um, and then still asking her to come away with him at his brother's funeral. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, definite. Yeah, I mean, great. I mean, yeah, I mean, just solid performance, but I mean, there are definitely a lot of really solid standout moments and even his smugness um, in the, in the, the dog fighting, um, just with the confidence that he has in Kofi. And holy, you know, again, not too many actually likable, redeeming characters in this. <laughs> um, I mean, this is our protagonist, and we we want to side with a guy, even though, you know, he's, he's poor and it's all about trying to get out, that, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and fight my dog, you know, just throw my dog in a ring and, yeah. Just pisses me off. <laughs> right. So, I guess we'll we'll move on to the next topic, and I'm gonna go ahead and do cinematography. Usually, I would wait a little bit, okay, since that's an area that I kind of like to really delve into. But um, I really didn't have a lot of to note in this film. You know, obviously, primarily the handheld throughout mm-hmm. almost the entire film mm-hmm. was shot handheld, which I think so at the time, like around 2000, probably a little bit more groundbreaking or. Well, I don't know. Not necessarily groundbreaking, but not something as common. I think it's gotten a lot more common since, right? Am, am I am I wrong here? No, I don't think as you're wrong. Who... No, I I don't think you're wrong at all. Um, I was just trying to think of as far as handheld. I mean, naturally, anytime I think of a, a Mexican filmmaker, um, I mean, I I think of you know Rodriguez's work. Well, even though he's not Mexican, I mean, like Texas, but still, like the whole like Southwestern, like El Mariachi was obviously very like handheld. Yeah, that's um, true. But, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, so I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was necessarily revolutionary, but it's, it's something that is very, it's you, the use of it is really effective and it's purely intentional. Um, and I mean, there, there's a sense of, I mean, you're, you, you're in this world, you know, you're you're living in this in this world. You're not just a, a voyeur, you know, just kind of observing what's going on. I mean, so I mean that that sense of realism that uh, as a you know as a result of it, I think, is very strong, very effective. But I mean, that's also now kind of become a little bit of his I'm not gonna say his niche, but I mean he's he, he's used that you know, and obviously Birdman, um, um, obviously was you know like was a handheld and but yeah sorry I just I, I went somewhere for a second <laughs> um but yeah I, I think it was very yeah just very strong very effective I don't know that I've seen I mean it's used from time to time but this was almost exclusively handheld which mm-hmm. you I feel like I rarely see at least in the the movies that I watch 
it's not something I see where, you know, 95% of the film is done handheld. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. I definitely, it was the first thing I, you know, noticed when I watched the film. I was like, oh yeah, I don't really remember this being the case. It's not, it's like something, a detail that didn't really stick out of my Mm -hmm. mind until I jumped back in. I was like, oh wow. And I think the frenetic pace, especially the, my favorite scene in terms of the look and feel is the opening scene, which is the car chase. So Mm -hmm. it's Octavio and his friend, I forget the friend's name, but Horacho is chasing him in a truck and just the way that it looks and the cuts and the handheld, like you don't know what the fuck is going on. And you know what I mean? It really captures the frenetic Mm -hmm. energy of a car chase. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, and amplifies it into something really magical, I I thought. Then you just have like this bloody animal and you don't necessarily know what's going on. Um, yeah, I mean, the opening the opening shot is, I mean, it's, it's about like kind of like a te- it, like, it's kind of like a little teaser, you know, right? I mean, you're just getting that, that little teaser of like, uh, and then boom, we're, we're taken back and we're like, all right, this is where we're going to go ahead and tell you a little bit about this world, but yeah. Um, serious energy and then when we're brought back into that car accident and everything is kind of sped up as we're kind of showing that again um where it's almost kind of like on fast forward a little bit when we're getting that whole scene played over again um because we end up seeing that scene through three different perspectives mm-hmm. right yeah. of chivo valeria and then octavio of course but yeah, in terms of the look, that was my favorite. There's something strange. I don't know. There's something that really stands out about it for me. I can't quite put my finger on. One of the things I liked about it, I mean, um, or I mean, just in kind of uh, cinematography and just the look is obviously there's, I mean, there's a real sense of like realism, but the the reds were on point in this movie. I mean, you know, whether it was blood or whatever, anytime, I mean, it was just, there was just something real and organic about about the red. I mean, um, I mean the blood obviously is definitely a, a large part of it, but other aspects in the film, again, how color can influence um, you know emotions as well. So that's that was one of the things that I noticed while I was watching the film. So the DP on this film was uh, Rodrigo Prieto. He shot black. Brokeback Mountain, Babel, Wolf of Wall Street, 21 Grams, Silence, Beautiful. He's been nominated for a couple of Academy Awards for Best Cinematography, first in Brokeback Mountain, later in Silence. Um, it seems like Inyoritu has switched to working with, it's funny, he works with uh, Emmanuel, Le, I can't ever pronounce his name correctly, but it's Lubisky or something. Uh, they call him Chivo. And so he's actually the guy that shot... The Revenant and Birdman. Okay, and he's worked on. Uh, he's actually he was DP on. Um, uh, what was it? Children of Men. Ooh. So he's worked with Corone as well. As yeah. Well. Uh, it's one of my favorites. I love that film. You know that shot, that like long tracking shot. Yep. In Children of Men is one that people always talk about. Yeah, because it's epic. <laughs> it's it's fucking awesome. And uh, he, I believe he actually DP'd for, what was it, Tree of Life. So he's worked with... Your uh, guy. With Malik. Yeah. As well. 
So his his bona fides are unquestionable. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, I just thought it was really funny that now Inyarito is working with Chivo and this character in this film was El Chivo, even though he didn't shoot this film. Right. Thought that was just kind of a funny little coincidence. That is a good little coincidence. But back to the film and the cinematography, another scene, and I'm going to go back again to the car crash, but I'm going to go to it from El Chivo's perspective. There's a moment where the camera is sort of circling around El Chivo, you know, still the handheld, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's at the car wreck, and he's kind of he's kind of looking around, and it really, it's a very, like, it really communicates his sort of bewilderment at what to do or, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm amidst this chaos that's another moment that's that's a, that's like 1b i think in terms of s- scenes i love the camera scene. work yeah no the, the camera work was fan uh fantastic i think it does a great job of just capturing kind of yeah the the confusion and the not necessarily you know and then him what i loved is in, where he's trying to pry the door open and everything like that so there there's that sense of like where he's trying to actually help you know and then obviously get some money and then he's like i gotta get the fuck out of here <laughs> um but uh, yeah that scene in particular was one of the things i wanted actually kind of mention as something that really stood out to me as well um but the my uh, my i think my favorite shot in the in the film though was the when she get when um no we'll we'll stick with this one and then i'll i'll, I'll tell I'll, I'll tell mine but um i love that shot i and i know exactly what you're talking about kind of like that 360 that's going yeah, on that um, was great it's great it's really really solid it reminded me of some scenes i saw there was a scene like that in the wire that was really well done where the characters completely circled by the camera i don't know something about that especially in this particular context, was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, another scene with El Chivo that I really liked was whenever he's he's laying down and he puts on those glasses and he looks at the photo of his daughter that's above him and then it switches from like a what, uh, subjective camera, or no, objective, to subjective and his, he's looking at the picture upside down with the glasses on from mm-hmm. his bed and I just... I thought that was a great choice. That was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have anything like really interesting or profound to like add to that that shot. But it was it was just something that I thought was kind of neat as well, though. For me, I love after everything has completely gone to shit. Although we find out that Richie is okay, but for Valerio, as she's now in the wheelchair with no leg and the fl- and she's she's kind of sliding a clock across the room and you just see like all the floorboards like all like yeah they're pulled all up, up. <laughs> um and then you know her first thing that she wants she has to go do is go to the window and um as she's like opening up the blinds and so she can go ahead and like one last time kind of take a look at her former self and it's it's all fucking gone it's like it's now like it's just a black like wall and then just like the just any 
any sense of, I don't know, hope or optimism about the future was just completely taken from her. Um, and I just love that shot. I just, I just, I think it was just a beautiful, heartbreaking shot. That was definitely a great, that was a great writing, I think, for, you know what I mean, in terms of show, don't tell, with yep. all mm-hmm. of the, because she's been going crazy, busting these holes in the floor to try to rescue Richie from from a thousand rats, as she yeah. <laughs> describes. And I was like, how much is it this, like, how many rats are really down there is what yep. I want to know, you know what I mean? Are there 10,000 or whatever, like she says? It's like that fear that, like, when you, if you see a roach, like, how many roaches you might have in your wall, and she, like, did that same thing with a rat, you know, like, if I see a rat, that means there's 10,000 of them that I don't see, um, which I think is my nightmare. <laughs> I don't do rats. Kind of like a indie, huh? Yeah, exactly. Just like indie. The Crusade. Wait, it's snakes are his thing, but there's that scene in what the uh, the Last Crusade where he like they go into the sewers of yeah. like the catacombs. Yep, exactly. And then uh, with the fire, and then all the rats uh, yeah. are everywhere. Um, yeah, his father doesn't. Uh, he's like, my father would never come down here. Rats, he hates them. Ah, okay. um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know how anybody. I don't know how you can like rats. I mean, like a. Like, yeah, like dirty I, street rats. Yeah, exactly. I mean? Not like a cool. Yeah, kind of like well, a, not like rats of Nim or anything. Yeah, <laughs> like a cool like albino pet rat. Right. You know. As far as cinematography goes, any last thoughts or you want to? Um. There, there was, there was another. I, I guess the funeral I, was another like um, something that I thought was really kind of like interesting was with the the glass partition um and when you had octavia because it was the first time we had seen him like post anything and he's all you know you, you just see him sitting on the chair and the light i mean it's really dark in there and he just looks super weak and and the way that the glass kind of frames him makes him look makes him look especially small and as he looks over at um i can't remember her name but Susanna, Susanna, thank you, and and then you know him him going over to her. It's just the way that they do they they frame that is you know it's not going to go well, you know. And again, because he's just framed and looking very very small and weak, and now on crutches and with a shaved head and a big gash in his head and kind of black eyed. And um, I liked it. I, I thought that was a really neat uh, shot. The way that they just kind of like framed him with the in that. Or the glass, or like, or like the, like the the hall, the way that he's kind of framed there. I really enjoyed that. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't have much else to say other than I really, I love the the handheld. Really sold it and gave it that gritty, realistic, you know, street street level view mm-hmm. of a of a frenetically paced Mexico City, and from the seedy underworld to the hollowed out. Um, you know, high rises, I guess. Yeah. But I think where this film probably really stands out the most is the, is the script, the writing in this film, the form itself, the three stories that intertwine, and just the little the little details. Like I said, the whenever 
you know, Valeria has frantically been searching for Richie in the floorboards and smashing up almost, you know, a pretty significant amount of, of the flooring in their apartment. That was a great moment that really, you know what I mean? So much is conveyed without any dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a brilliant, you know what I mean? That's like a great way to show the passage of time and sort of how this relationship that starts out very promising and, or I guess not quite promising that I would, let's, let's rewind (laughs) because this is like an extramarital sort of situation. One of the other, one of the really, for me, standout emotional moments too for the film overall is, and it's a small thing, it's the phone calls. So when we first meet Daniel, he receives a call, presumably from Valeria, like late at night. He's in bed with his wife, if I'm not. No, 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 no. No, they're coming home because that's when we meet his wife and we meet the two girls. Mm -hmm. And he gets a call from her and she hangs up without speaking. And so later on, we come back to this and... Daniel receives a phone call from, it's never confirmed, but it's presumably his ex-wife, mm-hmm. you know, recent, as as of recently, ex-wife calling, and she hangs up before speaking. And then later on, Daniel calls her and hangs up mm-hmm. without saying a word, although she gets, you know, she calls out Daniel to him. And this is like later on, once yep. their relationship has his relationship with Valeria has totally fallen apart. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was that was something that was really emotionally strong, now, and I, a I, nice little detail, you know. I love the phone, um, and I know exactly, you know, every I, I, I love I love that, and then I just think it's completely brought home in the El Chivo segment where the guy that's hiring him, essentially, like his uh, and like his friend, they're. They're driving in a car, and the guy's phone rings. Oh yeah, and he throws like, it out the window, and he just throws it out the window. Um, which I'm like, that's nice. Uh, so you never, you know, you don't waste time with a phone. That's a way to solve the like talking on the phone, having somebody like the like shooting somebody on the other end of the phone. Just don't have them talk, and then and then another scenario, just throw it out the fucking window. I loved it. <laughs> another emotional high point was. Whenever El Chivo returns from, I forget what he was even doing, but he returns to his little basement dwelling and Kofi has murdered all of his other, his entire dog posse, as we referenced earlier. Mm -hmm. And he just is, Chivo is completely devastated. And I guess the, I mean, the writing, it's, this is a situation where writing and acting kind of combine to make something. Mm Mm-hmm more powerful yeah um because i mean like if you put it in context right el chivo at one point was like in the whole gorilla you know um warfare shit and you know he's a contract killer you know um he's completely estranged himself from his family so i mean in many ways his attachment to to life doesn't really seem to really matter at all right and and yet, you know, we we see him nurse uh, an animal um, back back to life. We see him earlier in the film protect his dogs from uh, a potential fight, and then finally, like Kofi goes ahead and kills all of his dogs, and 
we just see El Chifo just completely lose it, you know, just, you know, just, that's, that's what he cares about. That's, that's his sense of humanity is, is, is dogs and they're all taken from him from another dog or something that he tried to save. And what I think is especially moving about that scene is, so he, and it's funny too, because Kofi is, even <laughs> the dog is just acting perfectly, he's acting like nothing's wrong and he's like kind of like uh eh, you know like he wants a, it's almost like he wants approval and yeah i don't know if that was you know how much of that was planned out how do you get a dog to to do that but he was definitely that that was like a nice moment for the dog to just be like hey you know <laughs> i did a good look i killed all these like what exactly. you, don't have, you have to feed these guys now yep. you know, yeah you know taking for walks ever again you know aren't you proud of me and then el chivo kind of pull he's like distraught and pulls out the gun but i think he has this moment where he realizes you know this dog is in many ways like me Mm -hmm. i i'm sort of i've become this way the same way that he has i've become this killer yep the same way that kofi has so i think that once he recognizes that then he's despite his you know immense immense grief over the loss of his dogs he you know decides to let kofi live Mm mm-hmm but this continues too. So he picks up the little the poodle that is, you know, clinging to life essentially, and tries to rescue her. But she dies in in his truck before he even gets going. And mm-hmm. just another really gut wrenching moment. Yeah. On top of so many in this film, right? Yeah. That um, when the, the po- just like the the like the limpness of like as it falls, the like, tongue hanging out. <sighs> you know, it's just like ugh, brutal. Yeah. Um. It's all brutal. I mean, even uh, pulling Richie out of the floorboards and, you know, he's all covered in yeah, blood and weak and probably a, a rat bite or two on him. And it's just... I was so fucking relieved, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that might have been like, okay, not this time since I... This is the... This is like the third or fourth time I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. And obviously, since I knew that he was going to be found, like the stakes weren't as high as it was the first right. time, but I was mm-hmm. like, what? The first time I saw the film, that was really fucking me up. I was like, uh, what the hell? What happened to Rizzi? Yeah. Rizzi. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like, please don't let him pull a, a fucking dead dog out right. of the floorboards. Please let this dog be alive. Yeah. That was so weird. And you don't really know. You don't know, um, if the dog is alive or not until, you know, homegirl comes back from the hospital and then, you know, he, um, he, he puts the damn dog down on the, on the, on the hardwood. I'm like, Oh shit, please don't go back down another floorboard, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the timetable feels, you know, it's sort of, it's difficult to know how long again, how long was he gone? You know what I mean? I, I'm not sure. It's very unclear to me. Maybe I just don't pay attention to enough background detail to note the time passage of time, but. I'm kind of curious what the actual time duration of that was. Probably about a week, because I mean, at that when by the time he gets uh, the dog, it's near death, right? So, I mean, there's no water. So, I mean, how? I mean, so probably around a week, just barely clinging to life. What the fuck has Richie been doing all that time, man? I know. Just has, it, has he been? Uh, my theory will be that he has been fighting. He's been fighting rats. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> betting on them and uh things he, went things went south yeah he had an underground rat fight literal under yeah, yeah. hey yo in the floorboards boom 
Um, let's see, the, the screenwriter in this was Manuel Arriaga. They have worked together on some other films. I think he wrote also Beautiful. Okay. That Inyorito did. Um, they've worked together a few other times, so um, I'm pretty sure he did 21 Grams as well. But I do not think he stuck around for Babel. I'll have to double check. But uh, just to... This was a great screenplay. It's an awesome. This screenplay. is kind of your. I mean, and, am I right here? No, you're, this is, you're the expert in terms of knowing. It, for me, it's kind of hard to know what 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 constitutes a good I screenplay. Mean, if know. I were an expert, you know, Cooper, <laughs> pr- I probably wouldn't be. I'm here leaning right towards now. your expertise. But uh, no, no, it was a it was a fantastic screenplay, and um, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, the perspective and just and again, um. I, I don't speak Spanish, but so as far as like the dialogue yeah, and what's dialogue. lost, I don't, I don't know. But in the, the way that the story is constructed and crafted, it's, it's aces. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of, uh, because I hadn't seen this, but I had seen another movie that there it's, uh, it shares slight similarity with a movie called 13 conversations about one thing. Um, but again, just how like multiple lives are kind of connected through, something very, very specific. And, uh, it also has kind of like a, like remind me a little bit of like run, Lola run, but, um, this, the, the, the writing across the board, everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's understandable why this, um, is held in such high uh, regard and why it's won, you know, a, a few awards that I saw, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's very, very well crafted. Um, and the the characters are all again if you're i mean there's a trick right if you're gonna write a movie where you don't like any you don't particularly like anybody that you're watching or not that you don't like none of them are good human beings make no mistake nobody in this film is a good person uh or really have any good sense of humanity or or love for their neighbor i mean everybody's a piece of shit so if you're gonna if you're gonna tell this story and yet get the audience to be like okay all right i care i still give a shit about what's happening to these in uh in these lives i don't want you know um these guys to get caught you know um you know in the truck i you know i hopefully you know hopefully lives i'm i i don't know if i really want him to run away with his brother's (laughs) wife but i want a better life for her um i'm not really happy with this extramarital uh affair couple but at the same time i'm i'm I'm, you know i i feel for a woman who now no longer has a leg and even though that's not you know like um a deal breaker for her for you know the rest of her life i mean that ends her career as a (laughs) as a model um and then this home, you know, or this, you know, this bum that's a contract killer that's completely estranged, you know, I, I, you know, I'd like for him to be able to get that emotional connection back with his daughter. So, I mean, that, that all goes back to the screenplay and I, I, the, the writer's ability to, to, to craft those stories and make them, you know, uh, to, to, to have that level of empathy, you know, for like, okay, like you can, you can feel this. And you can be empathetic to someone that you're not remotely um, connected to as far as, you know, what their choices are 
that's awesome. And, and, and Eerie to his way to like capture that on, on screen and assemble a really fantastic cast. I mean, it's, it's great. It's really, really, again, uh, I said before, but yeah, seriously, two thumbs up. Where I think the writing really stands out is in the character development of each character because these these at least our leads our primary leads are very they're very dynamic in terms of you know what i mean mm-hmm. they're put through the range of emotion and we just described what el chivo has gone through so one moment he's he's you know killing someone and another moment he's at a funeral another moment he's you know trying to rescue a dog that's clinging to life you know just in the evolution of him from his even physically his appearance, you mm-hmm. know, he's got the long hair, he's got the beard, looking like a street person. And then when he transitions at the end to just sort of a, you know, seemingly average older man. With the busted up glasses. <laughs> with the busted up glasses and some, you know, I think he's got some python uh, skin shoes that are that are a bit cracked and, mm-hmm. and worn. But that transformation is, is pretty incredible. You know what I mean? He's... He goes from someone who's okay with killing other people, and then it like towards the end, I think he has a realization that this is not something that he wants to continue to do. And he also has, you know, he's vulnerable. He's he cries. He's you know, we see him at his probably one of his lowest moments, whenever all of his dogs have been killed. Mm-hmm. So we see, you know, what I mean, we see this tremendous range of that he's. <laughs> He's put through everything. You yeah, know and mean? although his story is, I guess this would be kind of um, debatable or argumentative, but every character that we meet, their lives are infinitely worse uh, at the end than when we first met them. And for him, it might be debatable. But, right, yeah, he might be the... <laughs> but again, losing all of his dogs, obviously, that you know he he had half a dozen, and then he ends with only with one. Um, so that sucks. But yeah. Yeah. Um thinking about Octavio as well. I mean, we again, we see him like there's such a range of emotions. So he's he's cocky, he's angry, he's lustful, he's mm-hmm. jealous. You know what I mean? He's ra- you know, there's rage, there's there's fear. There's so many different emotions that we see him go through and we see him sort of, you know, as I guess we meet him as sort of this bright young character, and by the end, he's just he's he's on crutches and he's kind of at his lowest moment. So yeah, yeah, completely rejected and yeah, weak, feeble. But I think there, you know, what I mean, there is there's that's development, right? Yeah, in terms of character, mm-hmm. in such a short time too, he's just put through like every little trial yeah um and i've I've said it on a different podcast and um when i was learning screenwriting i had a really really fantastic screenwriting teacher um who's um wrote for dawson's creek but um he he said when you're writing a character you know i mean obviously uh everything is told through conflict and drama but to borrow the phrase that he used to say all the time is put your characters through hell (laughs) and every single character in this film was put through their own personal hell and through that conflict, you if you if you the greater the greater the conflict and greater the the obstacles that the characters have to go through, the the stronger the richer the characters will be. And, and this this is a this is a testament to that exactly. sort of classic. Let's see who else. Um, 
looking back, I think Daniel, obviously, both of those guys go through tremendous, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's, especially she is totally toppled from being on, you know, a giant billboard to being sort of cast aside and losing, losing her ability to have a career as a model. And she really, like, it's, I don't know, there's something about that story that I really, that resonated with me about something about human desire and about, you know, always sort of this, this grass is greener sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think Daniel (laughs) really didn't account for, you know what I mean? He, he, he got a lot more than he bargained for, you know what I mean? He was sort of in a wife and two kids and he thought, Oh, there's this, this model. I'm, this is going to be, something that's going to be a, an upgrade or, you know, what have you. This mm-hmm. is going to be, this is what I want. I'm willing to leave my family for, basically for my lust for yep. this younger, you know, beautiful woman. And he gets, a, yeah, gets a lot more than he bargained for with that and sort of the folly of of desire. Mm-hmm. I think especially maybe lust would be the better word, the yeah. folly of human lust and, you know, thinking this novelty or this, really shiny thing over here is going to make me feel happy, but you know, maybe not, maybe beware, maybe think this through because you could end up in a much worse position than you started out. Hey, you might be thinking about, you might want to leave your, uh, your wife for the hot, you know, younger model. But then when she even runs out, you know, she loses a leg. You might be like, shit, I made some wrong choices. Starts busting, busting up all the floorboards. (laughs) Yeah. Again, the scene where she's like just go just on a tirade on him, just like calling him a bitch and all this. I won't repeat some of the other translations, yeah. but it was just like whoa. And then she's like, "Your wife was a bitch, and your daughters were stupid." Yeah. <laughs> just like, woo, man. And he stuck it out. Yep. Yep. But there, I. I, I for that, you know, for that section of the film, I just love the the foreshadowing. Um, I mean, there's just great foreshadowing throughout it. Um, when we first meet her, that was another thing. It's kind of like they they kind of hammer on, like, she's got really long legs, and they, they, they even try to, like, in the way that the, the angle is, like, pay attention to her legs, you know, and just, like, a little camera uh, nod, and then, obviously, we we see the, the billboard, and the way that she's posed, again... Even though she's slouched over, you're looking up from like the legs, and and then obviously she she loses a leg, but just very subtle like camera foreshadowing, which I thought was a really neat, uh, nice touch. I like how they all sort of are all intertwined as well. Um, not only through the v- different vignettes themselves, all like you know having the tie to the car wreck but they show up in each other's stories Mm -hmm. down the road in unexpected ways as sort of background characters um let's see i think for instance later on in the in el chivo's portion of the film he passes Susana and ramiro Mm -hmm. on the street as they're walking and you could tell that ramiro has been freshly beaten as uh, Octavio had hired Mauricio and some guys to rough him up so that he could he could escape with yeah. Susanna. Like who does that? Like hire somebody to beat the shit out of your brother, you know? Like and that's the guy threatening to kill him. And yeah. that's the guy we're supposed to like be identifying with, you know? 
just a, a relentlessly bleak nihil- nihilistic film. Mm-hmm. I think Inyo Ritu puts us through. Well, you know what's funny? He actually he really does put everyone through hell. Yep. Mm-hmm. In every one of his movies. Oh yeah. Except I guess Birdman is like the lightest of them all. Like there's not such intense intense suffering in that. No, and then he, you know, hero potentially kills himself at the end of the movie. So, um, which is uh, the, the lead killing himself potentially is is a light heart is one is a light heart yeah. in comparison to yep. these other movies. And you haven't seen Beautiful yet, but I'm gonna have to let you borrow that. I bought that on Blu-ray after like now I got back on an Inuritu kick, so I had to go back and watch Beautiful. I hadn't seen it since mm-hmm. it came out in the theaters, and that's a real that's really that's even. I feel like this one has, you know what I mean? There's more of like an action. There's a little bit of action and frenetic pace to sort of make it a Mm -hmm. little bit more bearable. But beautiful is just, it's the opposite of beautiful. It's, it's a total just descent into, into bleakness. Great. I can't wait. (laughs) Looking forward to that. (laughs) I'm already going to go home and cuddle with my dog. Right. There you go. Cherish him. Yeah, Cherish him. exactly. It's like when you see Requiem for a Dream, the first thing you oh. want to do is call your mom, <laughs> tell her you love her. After this, it's like... Don't ever agree to go on TV, ma. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm not schlepping your TV anywhere. <laughs> what was it? Was it a red dress or a blue dress? What it was, was a red dress, for sure. Yeah, in the red dress. Um, I'm going to be on television. Sorry, I couldn't, couldn't resist. Oh, God. Yeah, um... But yeah, so Murphy's gonna get hugged a little bit closer tonight. Might I might just have to steal Tyler and let him know that right. that your dog's you know loved as well. I always thought that Tyler would probably be like you know what would happen if he I think he would probably kill all the other dogs. I think that's his that's his mo. He would pull the the Kofi. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Tyler would. Uh, would make a, a very strong career in dogfighting. He looks diminutive, but he's he's a savage man. He's got it where it counts, right? Uh, you know, I should probably fight him. And what about the tiny? Like, what about the different weight classes? Like, have like, like a bantam, a featherweight. The fe- he could probably hold his own. He's a scrapper, man. Yeah, have like little toy Chihuahua fights. But there were some lines. Um, there was one like all masters are like their dogs that I think Susanna utters in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was sort of a standout piece of dialogue. That was early. That was, wasn't it? Wasn't that? Uh, I think it was. I want to say it was later. It was later on in the funeral. Uh, it was earlier today. I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so going back to screenplay in terms of the dialogue, I can't really critique that because again i don't know right. how much of but i i mean the things that stand out is you know a woman telling you that you know uh <laughs> your daughters are stupid um and your wife's a bitch and you suck and uh i also like he's like uh, i'll be back later she's like i don't care if you never come back you know i'm like ooh, right to the core she yeah women don't play right like you you get the mad i mean they'll they 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 don't hold back. They'll just yeah, they'll they'll say some horrible horrible things. But yeah, so um, in terms of 
dialogue. I don't really have anything that really stands out. It's just story, story that, uh, that I, that I take from this okay. and very, very strong story. Fair enough. I think there's, there's one final bit that I think will can actually help us segue into our next sort of the theme thematic elements the film and this is again Susanna and she's saying if you want to make God laugh tell him you have plans yeah mm-hmm. and there's something maybe it's I think I'm maybe projecting because I'm so so fascinated by like this idea these ideas of free will and whatnot but to me it feels like this whole thing this whole situation might have been avoided if Susanna had not left Kofi escape <laughs> at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. because then he doesn't get in, um, doesn't kill Horocho's dog, and then there's no car crash to destroy everyone's life, mm-hmm. and sort of. Thanks a lot, Susanna. You know what I mean? It's like all these, all these puzzle pieces, or all these characters have to be on the che- or on the chessboard mm-hmm. and they have to all follow these moves to arrive at this central incident mm-hmm. that you know alters their lives forever ultimately mm-hmm. but they're sort of trapped in that you know what i mean like the universe i'll i'll substitute in the universe for god in the sense that you know you you think your your plans mean nothing you know Ultimately, you can't account for everything. It's just impossible. You're sort of at the whim, whims and merciless, you know, desires of the universe itself to play out these potent, you know, probabilities. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, at the end, it all comes back to just a dog to saying, you know, uh, deciding it just wants to go for an adventure, and then how, yeah, it affects everybody's life as a result of it damn dog so i think that, and that kind of too you know there's another there's the the loves a bitch element of it in the sense of all of these characters have really complicated really complicated um relationships in their lives right you know none, none of them are really easy they're all very there's a lot of pressure there. Yeah, I mean, I think really at the core, I mean, like I think one of the biggest, strongest like themes for this is loyalty or the lack thereof, really. I mean, everybody, and especially when you kind of use a dog in there, for example, right? Because, I mean, everybody's pretty dis, you know, disloyal or they, they, they have a very flexible boundary of what loyalty means. And when you compare that with what we consider the the most loyal, obedient animal on earth, the dog, uh, it's kind of like paired, right? I mean, um, here's here's poor Kofi that's basically put through the ringer, like being, you know, like told, hey, go kill, go kill. You know, it, it does that. And all it wants is at the end is just to be pet and shown a little bit of affection, you know? And, um, and where these people, I mean, you have a guy, you know, headbutting his brother and and then uh, having people beat the ever-loving shit out of him, and uh, you know, sleeping with sleeping with his wife. And meanwhile, you know, uh, that that brother is sleeping with somebody on the side and robbing banks, and you know, uh, threatening to kill his brother. I mean, 
So just from that arc, I mean, just the the sense that there is no sense of loyalty and even to family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, at the core, I think that's just one of the the major like themes to this film. At least that's what I what I got from it. Yeah, I kind of I had a difficulty really pulling together something really compelling as far as coming up with like an over you know what I mean there's these little elements of what I mentioned about sort of a free will but it's not something that's really I don't know it's really hard to nail down like there's a lot of there's symbolism but I don't know it doesn't quite I don't think this film quite while it uses it it's not the biggest you know what I mean it's not the most symbolic film it's just like it's more designed to be sort of this gritty experiential ride that you take in many ways Mm -hmm. or a descent (laughs) more so than you know what I mean something that you can read a lot in because I feel like there's certain things that I couldn't quite make a connection to for instance the whole the floorboard hole in the apartment so whenever I mentioned this earlier so Danielle buys this apartment for Valeria and she's walking in it for the first time and you know steps on the floor wrong and there's a hole I don't know I feel like that hole there's something either that's a metaphor for their relationship or there's something you know what I mean I but I couldn't quite figure out what if you know what I mean if there was anything more to that or if that was just part of the you know what I mean the story how driving the story for Richie to go down the floor you know what I mean well, I mean, again, I, um, it very well could just be just that. Again, I, I looked at it as just another little way that how her her meal ticket, which were, was, you know, her, she was a model, like, so her body, and specifically, like, um, you know, um, again, I, I go back to the legs, because at the end, that's what she ends up losing. And of course, it's, her meal ticket that that starts this this whole chain of uh you know reactions for or uh, you know chain of results uh is her leg pushes into the you know the floor she falls you know down into it it's and it, I would ha- I probably want to watch it again to find out if it was that leg um, uh, yeah good call uh to find out if yeah if it was that leg that is the one that gets mangled ooh and, that would be really interesting mm-hmm. ah, that's very poetic i like that so yeah, watch I'm glad it. Find you called that right. Yeah. Um, another example of this is I think it's primarily in El Chivo's sort of episode within the film, and it's sort of this Cain and Abel, this these brothers, and it you know obviously directly he even directly he calls them Cain addresses and Abel. it because yep. um, it's like I said a a half brother wants to have his other half brother murdered. And Chivo actually ends up not doing it and kind of locks them both up and is trying to figure out what he's going to do with them. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately decides to let them go with the gun in between them. And they sort of, we leave, when we leave them, they're wrestling for the gun or trying to reach it. And who knows what happens there. And then we also have Ramiro... And Octavio's relationship, which is sort of a Cain and Abel type of a vibe too, but then we have Susanna as well that, I don't know, I I couldn't quite make it, you know what I mean? I was looking for something that anchors all three stories together 
and I thought maybe this biblical illusion would be it, but I don't think it quite mm. fits mm-hmm. across all three, other than maybe like this idea of covetousness, or maybe you know what I mean. Is there a is there a sin that sort of links all of these people together? I don't think there's any one. Yeah, I don't know if there's any one sin that connects them. Um, I just think that, yeah, there is just one, one, not necessarily a sin, but the one thing that connects them is their, their complete lack of loyalty to mankind, (laughs) um, or what's right, you know, just like normal, uh, or what we believe is like normal morals, um, just certain thing, you know, uh, extramarital affairs, uh, actually we'll, there are a couple of those, and then yeah, like, um, and then just lack of family duty and and respect, and but yeah, there's not one specific scene uh, or sin. It's just a you know just the whole the whole idea of loyalty just ceases to exist in this world, or just the broader just the broader elements of love and mm-hmm. loss mm-hmm. and and dogs essentially that's the the other title love and loss and dogs <laughs> but uh and anything else stand out for you thematically that we haven't kind of i don't think so. i mean that that's i mean again this is still really fresh i i i watched it uh or finished it this more of this afternoon before i came over here um if i had more time to process i might be able to come up with a cup you know something else but what I'm, what I've just mentioned are, are, are what's pretty like much on the forefront of uh, my my takeaways. Okay, so there were a couple of ideas that I I missed out on, missed mentioning earlier, and I wanted to bring them up now. One of my favorite moments in the film was an editing moment. It, there's a match cut. It's whenever Ramiro is getting beat up and he gets a kick to the face, and then we see Susanna. Like the match cut is su- then to Susanna falling on the bed mm-hmm. with um, Octavio, which I thought that I don't know. I I just love that moment. It was kind of funny and just like a, I don't know. It feels like something I would do right in the editing booth. It's like a choice I I would make. That's a little juxtaposition. Just because I'm that kind of corny. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Is, is that corny? No, I don't. I don't. Th- well, I mean, corny that you find uh, fulfillment in wanting to do that, or oh no, no, I just think it's I don't just the fact that I don't know. I mean, I th- I think, I think it was I think that it was was kind of a, a humorous kind of moment. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's a fun little cut, though. I will, I will, um, I'll agree with that. I think it was a pretty fun little, even though all the while I I was feeling kind of again feeling bad for somebody that I really shouldn't feel bad for. The, uh, there was some really weird stuff in this too. And I, I mean, it's sort of interesting cause you don't ordinarily see these types of stories told, right. Mm-hmm. Or written about where there's, you know, really awkward romantic type relationships. So Octo- Octavio living with his brother and sister-in-law and he's had a crush on her forever. And, starts making moves on her and like they're having sex and he (laughs) octavio's like turning the light on and off and pretends that susanna gets a phone call Mm -hmm. 
And it, it, it just and it's like, what? He knocks on the door knowing they're having sex. Like, yeah. So so awkward. Yeah, I mean, um, but maybe it's just something what a, what a dumb teenager, you know, very well might do. But it's just... the 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 stretch that he goes and like that their relationship is just so weird because you never really get any sense that Susanna has that the that the the feelings apart from the fact that she's had sex with him a couple times that that she's really interested you right. know yeah that's true it's it's weird um that their whole relationship relationship is just very and maybe you know uh it's just very naive and not very well thought out by anybody. I don't think, yeah, I don't think really anybody spends too much time thinking about their, their decisions and then what the, yeah, the consequences consequences of their actions. Yeah. There was another scene with those two where they're, they're fooling around in the, like right next to the baby. I don't know. It was just really uncomfortable. I I literally like spoke out loud, you know, uh, I'll, you know, as a new father, right? This yeah. is like it. I'm like, yeah, that is not okay. I think that's what I'm like. That is, there's nothing okay about what's happening right now. Right. Just, you know, on the floor, baby on the floor, just doing it next to the baby. Super awkward. Really weird. Really weird. <laughs> Great scene. But gritty. I yeah. mean, like, this is like, you know, this is real, some real shit. <laughs> this is some real shit, Robert. You know? Yep. But, any any final thoughts on this film? Um, this is your first. I'm interested, particularly because this is the first time you've ever encountered this particular film. So just kind of curious. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily have anything really well thought or eloquent to to add per se. But uh, takeaways from the film is that I think again I think it was a very well crafted story and. I'm I'm drawn and attracted to films like this where that you, you again uh you, you feel empathy for people that you really otherwise shouldn't and that's good. I mean it's I I I enjoyed this. Won't watch it anytime in the near future again because I at um one of my biggest loves in this world are dogs and um, if you haven't seen this film, I recommend it, but be prepared. I mean, you will see no fewer than a couple dozen dogs die in this movie. Um, but no animals were harmed during the filming. Of the, I, so you can feel safe knowing yeah, that. No at least according will. to uh, Inuritu, if we can take him at his word. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the... I don't... Yeah, I wish I had something really interesting or, like I said, eloquent to, to contribute, but... I recommend it. I'd recommend it. Um, you know, if you if you want to see a really good film, this this is one. I can definitely see why it's in your top five. Um, yeah, I mean, it just you can see. I mean, this movie, you know, was what his second, third, first. For, oh, this was his first. Okay, mm-hmm. so you can see the insane promise and potential of of you know what this filmmaker and what his vision. Um, it comes across and you can see like what, you know, it, it's funny now I'm, I'm seeing this movie after I've seen all these other films that he's won Oscars for. Right. And this is his earliest. So you can see the definite like promise of what his future could be. So, um, 
yeah, um, that's it. That's all I got. Awesome. I actually like this. Um, this is my favorite of his, of his films, I think. Though I've not, you know, honestly, I need to go back and rewatch 21 Grams and Babel. But I think even this is, I like this better than the two films he won the award, you know, the Academy Awards for mm-hmm. in Birdman and uh, particularly The Revenant. The Revenant, I did not, you know, I was very excited for that film. It didn't deliver on the level that I was hoping for. I I remember enjoying The Revenant, um, but I think it was more than anything just a, a showcase film for Leo to finally win an Oscar. <laughs> um, and when I think of that movie, it just goes back to the, the bear scene, really. You know, just him getting torn to shreds. But Birdman, on the other hand, I really enjoyed that. I really, really enjoyed that film. But, yeah, I mean, if I were to look at his, the, the canon, if you will, of Inuritu, <laughs> um, of the, the three, I mean, this, I enjoy this more than The Revenant, but I can't, yeah, I can't really, I don't think there's anything necessarily about The Revenant that is like, oh, there's something powerful that you need to right. see in there. Or Birdman, I think it's just a very neat, uh, neat film in the way that it's shot and the music through the film, and again the the uh, the the performance of Michael Keaton and the the story structure on that. I yeah, I mean, I I could watch Birdman again um, at least, but this was this was good. This solid choice, brother. I was a little disappointed on rewatch that, you know, this didn't really have a lot of the meat and potatoes for the type of analysis that I really, really like Mm -hmm. to do. And I think the podcast that you and I have done together that stands out the most was The Vanishing. To me, I really felt great about that episode and like that sort of unveiled all these really interesting possibilities in my mind. Mm -hmm. Like there was some fruit there for for something else in terms of theme and maybe a little bit of philosophy and and what have you. And even though I obviously I do love this movie, I was in terms of discussion, um, it did feel like there wasn't a lot that I could really, really sink my teeth into. Hey, Oh, and really, really (laughs) do and really dig into. So that was, that was interesting. It's interesting Mm -hmm. to go back and, you know, I'm kind of putting together my top five. I almost feel like I should have watched, these movies first and then like rewatch them and maybe rank them now and see mm-hmm. where they sit and what kind of jumps out to me. Yeah. But, um, I, I think this movie does offer again, some, some questions that you can ask as far as, um, uh, underground dog fighting. What are your thoughts? <laughs> no. Um, so obviously, the the use of dogs i mean i mean that it's a theme obviously i mean you're you're i mean they're all i mean each each vi- little vignette dogs are play a, a prominent role yeah. play a very prominent role you know they're so they they are, are themselves a character and they're all <laughs> uh put through the ringer as well they all go through like a series of you know bad to worse to we i mean 
Kofi really kind of is the the star of of the film in many ways because um, because we're, we see him, you know, going off, and then at the end of the movie we see him going off to you know in the sunset. So, um, but loyalty, I mean, that's you know, is it is it wrong to go ahead and have your brother beat so you can steal his wife? Is, I mean. Uh, you know, is it is it wrong to go ahead and leave your family and have an extramarital affair? Is it wrong to go ahead and uh, be a killer and leave your family and um, and then put a gun between two brothers and see what happens? Well, the answer to all those questions is yes. So, um, but it's it's intriguing and. Um, just how again the the issue of free will is is it was it did they did any of them ever even have a choice you know and in the way that everything shaped it was through a sheer moment of a dog just walking away that really did lead to many of these things happening who knows me Octavio could have been in a car accident you know um and Valeria could have been you know at the other side but it probably wouldn't have happened so Again, I mean, it, it. I like stories like this. Again, it reminded me a little bit of, even though this this movie predates Thirteen Conversations about one thing, but how you have kind of like an ensemble of of characters and how seemingly certain events bring them all together. It, it's it's interesting. So I, I I think there is there is something rich to this that leads itself for analysis and discussion. I just don't know if. If I, you know, uh, I, I probably would need to see this movie another, you know, once or two times to really unlock some of the other things that were going on in this film. Right. That's my take anyway. I, I'm sort of left with this, you know, this is a relentlessly bleak film where in this world, the unit, we have an, un, I mean, ultimately, I guess the, the thing is we have an uncaring universe mm-hmm. and people are shit and life is shit. And and that's it. And <laughs> you know, loves that's, a bitch. And loves a bitch. So that's kind of what I what I leave with, which is fine with yeah, in a sense because I'm sort of a nihilist myself. But um, in terms of analysis, it kind of left me feeling like there. I wish there was something else I could really dig into mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with this film as as much as I do appreciate it. Right. It just did did sort of lack a little bit, and so I'm excited to have my next film be Memento, one that I think definitely fits the bill of, like, there's some deep philosophical um, shit that I can dig into with that film that yeah, I really... Be, this is gonna be a, that'll be a lengthy podcast. Yeah, there, for sure. A lot of stuff you can talk about in that film. For sure, because we've got amazing writing, mm-hmm. acting, story, editing, that yeah. all sort of... Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's aces, top to bottom, but we'll save that one for next time. Sounds great. Well, Andrew, thanks again for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Okay, bye.